Good morning. It is great to see you and to be with you. For those that I've not had the opportunity of meeting, my name is Mark Walker. I'm the senior pastor of Mount Perrin North, both our Marietta and Canton campuses. And it's always a great uh, privilege and pleasure for me to be able to come out here and be at our Canton campus. I don't get out here as much as I did when we first opened up. I'm out here about every three or four weeks. Now you guys are doing so good and Pastor Jeremy is doing so awesome. Y'all don't really need me. Now, are you clapping because you don't need me? Are you? But I don't know that you ever really needed me to begin with. But I needed to be with you, and I still need to be with you. So I'm going to come out here every now and then and just be a part of you. And it's just a joy to be with you. As uh, Jeremy uh, said when we opened up our service, that we're starting into a brand new series this morning, a three-week series. It's in the book of Ephesians. It's entitled Life Swap. And we've been looking at the book of Ephesians off and on throughout the year. And by the end of the year, we hope we will have the full book of Ephesians studied. And this morning, we're going to begin to look at the idea of exchanging the old life without Christ for the new life that is available to each and every one of us in Christ. Now, this morning, we're going to look at a lot of scripture together. So if you have a Bible and you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 4, you're welcome to do so. Now, all the scriptures we're going to be looking at will be on the screen. But we're going to let scripture just sort of talk to us this morning as we look at this idea of this swapping out our lives, the old life without him, for the new life that we have in Christ together. Let's go to him in prayer. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you that you're with us by your spirit Uh, Just a great sense of you in this room, talking to our hearts, talking to our lives, letting us know that we don't walk alone, letting us know that you love us so much, you, you care about every single detail of our lives. Father, let that become a true living reality for every one of us today. Holy Spirit of God, open up our hearts to hear what you would be saying to us. Enable me to share it, Father, to speak it really as you want it spoken. I'm not here to perform Lord, may we truly leave this place here today knowing we have felt you in our hearts and heard from you in our spirits. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Uh, Here we are. We've come out of the summer months and vacation time. And now we're into the fall break of, of Cherokee County schools. And people have vacation on their minds. Some people are on vacations. But if you're like me... When, when the vacation I put down on paper doesn't always turn out to be the vacation that we experience in reality. Anybody know what I'm talking about? About 20 years ago, when, when my kids were young, Justin was about four and Ashton was about one. My wife, Udella, and I were living in Orlando, Florida, pastoring there. We had an opportunity to get three or four days off. And so we decided to drive down to Naples to a little condo there right off the beach. And, and it was about a four-hour drive from Orlando to Naples. And if you've been in the car with a one-year-old and a four-year-old for four hours, you know sometimes that can be literal hell on earth. And it was at this time. So when we got to Naples, we couldn't wait to get to the beach. We got into the condo, got our bathing suits on, got all the floaties, got all the sunscreen, got all the towels, got the cooler packed and headed out to the beach. We had to walk a couple of blocks to get to the beach. We got on the beach, got everything spread out, got the suntan lotion all sprayed all over us, and we went out into the water. I had Justin with me, and Udella had Ashton with her. We weren't in the water five minutes, and my wife says, Mark, Mark, my eyes are burning she said, I got suntan lotion in my eyes. I, I can't see, Mark. I can't see. She said, you got to come take Ashton. 
Well, I was about 30 or 40 feet away from her, and I said, okay. So I started making my way in the water towards Ashton. Well, Udella couldn't, couldn't stay there any longer. She had to go take care of her eyes, so she leaves Ashton standing by herself and heads up to the towels. Before I could get to her, a wave hits her and takes her down. And she's only a year old. So I have to reach down in the water to find her, and I grab her arm and pull her out. And when I pull her out, she's got that silent scream happening. You know what I'm talking about? It's a... But you know, in about 30 seconds, there's going to come this demonic scream out of this child. And sure enough, man, she just, ah, the whole beach thought I was abusing this girl. So here I am holding this child. She's screaming. My wife's up there trying to get the suntan lotion out of her eyes. And about that time, my son made his way out of the water. And he has found a wounded pelican. It has a wounded, not an arm, but a wing. And, and, and so he's walking behind this pelican that's wounded. And before I can tell him, hey, son, injured animals really don't want you to crowd them. That pelican wheeled around and man snapped at him. That big beak just clapped and he goes stumbling back and he starts screaming and comes running to me. Now I got two screaming kids in my arms. My wife still can't get the suntan lotion out of her eyes. And she says, Mark, we got to go back to the room. I can't see. So now I got to walk the two blocks back with two screaming kids. My wife, who can't see, holding on to my elbow and I'm leaning her back. Now, I didn't take the time to put any flip flops on. So I'm walking on blacktop for two blocks out of that Florida sun. My feet are cooking in a matter of 30 minutes of this vacation. My two kids are traumatized. My wife is blind and I've got blind and I've got third degree burns on my feet. Welcome to vacation. Not to mention that night, this is the honest to God truth, that night, a tropical depression set in on the west coast of Florida and it rained day and night for the next four days. Cooped up in a room with a one-year-old and a four-year-old, let me tell you, murder and suicide flash by your mind constantly. Now you can sit there and say, you know what, I, I, we've had vacation. Anybody had vacation like that? Be honest with you. Yeah, everybody. Yeah. And you may be saying, you know what, Pastor Mark, you're not just describing my vacation life. <laughs> you're describing my life in general. That no matter how much I plan it out, it just sort of derails. It just seems to come off the track. And every one of us at some point in time, maybe even recently, have said, you know, if I could just have a do-over on some things. If there was just a redo button. I could hit an undo mode I could put my life into. If I could just reset everything back to the manufacturer default options and just get another running start at this thing, it would be wonderful. I had a second chance at some stuff. Man, how great that would be. Well, guess what? Welcome to Christianity. That's the essence in the heart of what the Christian faith and life is all about. It is the opportunity to swap out this old dysfunctioning life without Christ for a new functioning life that is in Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. It's called the great exchange, or you might call it the great life swap. And when we look at the book of Ephesians, that's truly what Paul is writing about. That's what the whole book of Ephesians is about. It is about this whole idea of who we are in Christ, that I am a new creature in Christ, a part of a new community in Christ together. And Paul really paints this picture in this book of Ephesians, but also when we get to verse 17 of chapter 4 and following, he really gives us this compare and contrast of life without Christ and life that is with Christ and how we shift from the one 
to the other. Now, he begins talking to us, and the first thing he begins to address is our minds. Because, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you, this is where life is lived. Life is won or lost right here in our thinking. And the first thing Paul addresses in this old to new life is our minds. Verse 17 of chapter 4, this is what he writes. He says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. He's addressing their thinking. Now, he does something here. He's writing and he talks about being a Gentile. Now, most of the people reading this letter would have been Gentiles. Now, the church at Ephesus was both a Jewish uh, community and a Gentile community coming together in Christ, but it was predominantly Gentile. So you got to think about this a moment. He's writing, and Gentiles are reading this, and they have to be reading, okay, Paul's writing, he's saying, okay, you're a Gentile, but don't live as the Gentiles do. Well, how, how can I do that? If I'm a Gentile, how can I not live as a Gentile? What Paul is saying, he's saying, look, you're a Gentile ethnically, but don't live like a Gentile ethically. He's dealing with lifestyle. He's saying, look, you you followers of Christ, you are are Gentile followers of Christ, but you're not to live according to the non-following Gentile life without Christ, which is the culture. You're to live according to Christ. It'd be like if he was writing to us and he said, you that are Canton Georgian Americans... You that are Canton Georgian Americans that are Christ followers, we are not to live as Canton Georgian Americans who are not Christ followers. There's a different culture that we are to live by, and that's what he's saying here. In fact, the early church in the first and second century, they referred to themselves as the third race. That the the Jewish race, the Gentile race, and then the third race were followers of Christ. Not that they were better or superior or above. They were just called out into a different way of life and the way of Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul is saying here about not living as a Gentile. And he says, in the futility of their thinking, addressing their mindset. Now that phrase, futility of their thinking, it it means a, a frustrated emptiness or senselessness. It means um, a, a useless worthlessness or meaninglessness. He's saying this, this non-Christ following culture leads to a frustrated senselessness. And then he begins from there in this, futility, this futile thinking. He says this frustrated emptiness and senselessness, it results in several things and it's the result of several things. So we look at verse 18 of chapter 4. He says, they, the the non-Christ following Gentile culture, are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. This idea of understanding, understanding means to have enlightenment and illumination in wisdom and truth. He's saying those who are not Christ followers, that culture, they are darkened in their understanding. They have no guiding light of life. It's as if they're wandering around in a senseless darkness because they're separated from the life of God, he says. You see, the guiding light of life for every person is to be the life of Jesus Christ. The apostle John in his gospel, he wrote this about Christ in John 1 verse 4. He says, in him was life and that life was the light of men or the light of all humanity. And the guiding light of life for every person is to be this life in Jesus Christ. But Paul is saying those who are who are frustrated in their thinking, they have a frustrated emptiness. They are separated from that guiding light of life. And so they are sort of walking in this 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 purposeless this darkness. 
He says, because they're ignorant in the hardening of their hearts. The ignorant hardened heart is the idea of deliberately closing myself off to God and the things of God. It is the losing of the sensitivity of God and the promptings of God. It's, it's deliberately basically saying that, that you know what, I, I, that, that the thinking of God is really not important and, and that God is, is not of a, of a real value in my life. I mean, people in this kind of condition are people that really don't think about God at all or think about Him very little. Paul is saying, hey, this non-Christ-following culture is one that, that is separated from the guiding light of life because they have sort of deliberately lost the sensitivity to who He is and His promptings. Therefore, they walk in this darkness and have this frustrated emptiness that they live in and think by. Now the more insensitive we become to God. Paul then tells us. The more increasingly we become sensual. To the things of the culture. Look at verse 19. He says having lost all sensitivity. Talking about sensitivity to the Lord. They have given themselves, given themselves over to sensuality. So as to indulge in every kind of impurity. With a continual lust for more. See, what happens when I have this frustrated emptiness, i got to fill that up with something. See, that frustrated emptiness is something only the Lord can fill up. Well, if I'm not going to let Him fill it up, then i got to find to fill it up with something. And so I look, I get driven to involve myself in all kinds of indulgences of the culture that will never satisfy or fill up that frustrated empty spot because only the Lord can do that. And what happens is i got to fill it up with something, so I chase after All this other stuff that will never satisfy, but there's enough pleasure, there's enough temporal satisfaction to the things of the culture, that it keeps me chasing after something I will never, ever catch. And it will never, ever satisfy. And is Paul not describing the culture in which we live today? The life that most of what our media and everything appeals to is, is, is this offering us things. To chase after, to fill up that frustrated emptiness that are never going to satisfy. And man, he he paints this, this, this picture, this progressive picture of this life without Christ. And then he begins to shift. Okay, here's life in Christ and how we get there. Verse 20 and 21, he says, You, however, talking to followers of Christ, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. Now he says, you know him, you heard of him, you were taught in him. But he's not necessarily talking about just you learned information about him or you heard the stories about him or you were taught the truth about him, though obviously that's included. But the, the, the implication here is that you came to know this Jesus through a relational experience with him. The things you heard about him and the things you discovered about him, you you put into practice in that you engaged in a relationship with him. All those truths you heard about him led you to involve yourself in relationship with Jesus Christ. So he's talking about this experiential relationship with him. Then in other words, that Jesus just doesn't tell us truth, but Jesus is the truth. That when we engage him, we are engaging everything there is about truth. He says, you got this through a a revelation of relationship with him. And then he goes in verses 22 through 24 to shift into this moving from the old self 
into the new self or the old life without Christ into new life with Christ. Verses 22 through 24. He says, you were taught with regard to the former way of life to put off your old self. That's the that's the non Christ following culture, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Verse 23 to be made new in the attitude of your what? Say it out loud. Mind thinking. He's saying you got a shift in thinking here. You got a shift in thinking to see who you are in Christ, to see what that life is all about. He goes on to say, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, verse 24, and to put on the new self. And what's the new self? Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. See, that new life in Christ is the very nature of God. And that's what we get. We exchange, we, we give Him. This life that is being corrupted continually by evil desires. We give him that. In exchange, we get the very nature of Jesus Christ, which is holy and righteous. And in this one sentence, although this is three verses by number, this is actually one sentence. In one sentence, let me tell you what Paul has captured. He's captured the heart of the human existence. He shows the vileness and the value. Of humanity in this one statement. Because the vileness of humanity, the vileness of this old life without Christ, this the vileness of it is that it's corrupted by its deceitful desires, meaning it's in an ongoing corruptible mode. That it's increasing in its corruption. I'm 53 years old. I can remember when I was 23. I can remember 30 years ago. And I can tell you right now, I think everybody my age would agree. I can tell you right now that what I was exposed to at the age of 23 is not even anywhere close to what 23-year-olds are being exposed to today in concerns of the corruption of the culture. Why? Because the vileness of humanity is that it increases in corruption. That's the vileness of it. But the beauty of it is Paul points out this violence and we see it every day. We see it on the news. We experience it. We live in it. We see what we are capable of doing one to the other. We see what we are capable of doing in a vile way. We know. We see it. It's a living reality. But the beauty of it is Paul points out that living reality and says, here's the violence. But he says, here's the value. The value is that even though we are in this vileness, God who loves us so much gives us an opportunity to change. He says, look, this this is the vile humanity. And we've all participated in it. That's a living reality. He says, but the greater reality is, is the value that God places upon us. And even we, we don't deserve a holy, righteous nature. We don't deserve that. Yet, we're so valuable to Him. He offers it to us in Jesus Christ. And He's saying this, this old to new is a putting off of that old and a putting on of this new. And then in the following verses, I just want to walk through very quickly. Paul just begins to, to point out the, the old vile life and the new valued life in Jesus Christ. This is what he begins to say. And we're going to talk about some of these in the following weeks. At least Pastor Jeremy is. Verse 25, look what he says. He says, therefore, each one of you must put off falsehood. See, that's the old vile life. And speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we're all members of one body. That's the new valued life in Jesus Christ. Verses 26 and 27. In your anger, do not sin. 
Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Sinful anger is the old vile life. A righteous anger that Pastor Jeremy is going to talk about next week. A righteous anger is of the new valued life in Jesus Christ. Verse 28. He who has been stealing must steal no longer. Stealing is of the old vile life. But must work doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. That's the new valued life in Jesus Christ. Verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. That word unwholesome is the idea of rotten meat. Do not let any rotten meat talk come out of your mouths. That's the old vile life without Christ. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that they may benefit, that it may benefit those who listen. That's the new valued life in Jesus Christ. Verse 30 of chapter 4. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. It's the Holy Spirit that makes this new life in Christ come alive in us. He's the one that empowers us to live it. Paul says the old vile life without Christ grieves the Holy Spirit, doesn't listen to him, neglects him, disobeys him, ignores him. But the new life we have in Christ, the valued life we have in Christ, listens to him, walks with him, looks to him, surrenders to him. In verse 31, we see Paul says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. That's the old, uh, vile, non-Christ-like life. Then verses 32 through 5, verse 2. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. Verse 1 of chapter 5. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice of God. That's the new valued life in Christ. Every relationship we have is to be guided and governed by these verses I just read. Kindness, compassion, forgiveness. And then he goes on in verses 2 through, or 3 through 4. But among you, there must not be even any hint, even an appearance, even any possibility of, of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. He says all that other stuff. That's the old vile life without Christ. A life of thanksgiving. What's our talk, you know? Does our talk come out of a heart overflowing with thanksgiving and gratitude? It's positive and uplifting. I mean, Paul just paints this picture. Here's, here's the old vile life and here's the new valued life in Christ. Now, when we read through all of that, did anybody see yourself in any of the vile part? Absolutely. Absolutely. But at the same time, did anybody see yourself in the valued part of Christ? Absolutely. And that's sort of where we find ourselves. So then how then... What is this whole idea of this old life for the new life? How do we live where Paul talked about putting off the old and putting on the new? The old for new, very quickly, the old for new is an instantaneous process. Say that with me. An instantaneous process. One more time. An instantaneous process. Now that sounds sort of stupid. How can something be instant and also a process? Well, here's the deal. When you and I make the decision and say, you know what? I see myself, I see myself in the, in, the, in the vile 
non-Christ-like culture life. I, I, I see that's the life I'm in. That's the life I'm, I'm living. And, and I don't want that life anymore. I want the life that's offered to me in Christ. I want the life that I was designed for. And when we make the decision to say, okay, Christ, forgive me of living in this vile life. Forgive me of offending you and God in this vile life. I ask you to forgive me and I relinquish my leadership of my life to you. You be the leader of my life. You be the forgiver and the leader of my life. When I make that decision with the sincerity of my heart by faith, instantaneously, at that moment, by the Holy Spirit, this old vile life is gone. That nature is taken out of me and I have the brand new nature of holy and righteous, holiness and righteousness that is in Jesus Christ. At that moment, it happens. I am a new creature in Jesus Christ. Happens right there. But now my life is the process of living out who I am in Christ on a daily basis. In the relationship with him. Changed in a moment, but I still deal with the old habit patterns of the vile life. How many of you have children? Have you ever wanted to murder them? But you didn't. See, I I know after children, I know why some animals eat their young. I really, really do. But we walk out this new life in Christ by the work and the leading of Christ and the Holy Spirit. Because we still have the old habit patterns that we struggle with out of the vile life. And when Paul talks about this idea of putting off and putting on, taking off and putting on, he's talking about baptism terminology. It's baptism type of imagery that he gives to us. Now, with the permission of of Jeremy Isaacs, your campus pastor, I asked him if I could show the clip of, of where he was baptizing his son Cooper in Lake Altoona when we had the Canton campus baptism there and and if we could take a look at this real quick stop it right there for me thank you now you got to get the picture of who the players are here jeremy is jesus amen <laughs> now jesus wearing a wife beater shirt is a, is a is a tough is a tough image to get a hold of i get that but work with me if you will a moment he, he's Jesus. Cooper is all of us. All right? When, when we decide, like Cooper, Cooper is deciding of his own free will that I, I, I've been living in this vile life, this life without God. I don't want that life anymore. And Lord, I'm coming to you just as I am. I, I can't do a thing about it. I'm coming to you as I am. I want you to forgive me, please, because I admit I have been living it and I have sinned against you. And I want you to be the leader of my life. I relinquish my leadership. When he makes that decision, when we make that decision, okay, run the video, please. This is what happens spiritually. Okay, stop it right there for me. Cooper will come back up. This is only a video. People are breathing. (laughs) What happens spiritually? That old vile me is buried In the tomb, it's buried in the grave with Jesus Christ. Jesus takes that old vile me and buries it in the tomb. He hung on a cross and took all of our vileness upon himself, all the vileness of sin upon himself. And then he took it to a grave and he kept it in the grave. 
And when you and I choose to follow him, this is what happens, man. He, he buries that. He, he, he does it. He does it. He, he takes that old sin man and kills it, that old vile, and kills it. But Jesus didn't stay dead in the tomb, did he? What happened? Run the, run the video. And then he brings us back up. Stop it right there for me, please. He brings us back up. Brand new creatures. Just as he resurrected from the dead, we resurrect his resurrection life in us. We, and right there, right there, we're holy and righteous. Right there, the nature of Jesus. He has put his nature within us. Clean. Do you see that picture? But now look. Let it run. Let it run. Stop it right there. That's where we live. Life in Christ. Surrendered. To his embrace. Look at that. What an amazing picture. Of the love of God for his people. See. Where. Where are Cooper's feet? Where are his feet? In the mud. He's clean. But his feet are still in the mud of the, bla- of the, of the lake. See, you and I are clean in Christ when we follow him. But we're still exposed to the mud of the vile culture. And the mud of the vile culture gets on our feet. And we still have to be Cleaned, not re-saved, but we live in this surrendered life, this loving surrender to this Christ. We live in that surrendered place and allow him to consistently take care of the muddy parts of that vile life that still steps up and trips us up from time to time. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? In fact, if we could just go to the next slide, please. There it is. Old for new is an instantaneous process of loving surrender to Christ. I'm changed instantly, but now I got to live that out. And I live it out in a loving surrender to Christ. It's, It's the picture of where Jesus Christ goes to wash the disciples' feet. In the time of Christ, the main mode of transportation was walking. And when you would go to someone's home, they, 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 one of the first things they would do if they really were hosting you and really going to treat you with respect was to wash your feet. But they considered a very menial, low-life, low-level task. I mean, the worst of the worst, the lowest of the lowest of slaves would do the task of washing people's feet. But right before Christ was crucified, he washed his disciples' feet. And if you know the story... He comes to Simon Peter. And let's put that up on the screen if you will. It's John 13. Can you put that up? He comes to Simon Peter. No, said Peter, you'll, you'll never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, that just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. But then look what Jesus says. A person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. And you are clean. Take me back to the picture, please. See, here's the beauty. Cooper's feet are in the mud, but so are his daddies. See, God and Jesus Christ came and stepped in the mud with us. The mud we created. 
But see, we were dirty like the mud. Jesus never became dirty like the mud. He took on the mud, but he never became dirty like the mud. He took on that muddiness so you and I could be clean. But it means I got to live a surrendered life to him. That's my part. Surrendered to him. He does the cleaning work, which means if I'm a follower of Christ, where are my dirty feet? That I'm not allowing him to wash. Where is the part of the vile life that, that seems to keep dirtying my feet? That I'm not allowing him to wash. That's, that's the place of freedom. The place of living. Out of the old into the new is an instantaneous process of a loving surrender to Christ, not the culture. I'm going to invite the band to come up quickly, please. It's, it's a surrendered place. Now listen to me close. We are so inundated by the, the things of a culture that appears to, appeals to the base, vile nature of humanity. That when we come to Christ, what we're, what we're saying is the first place I'm going to look to determine who I am and how to live is Christ, not the culture. That how I treat people, people that don't like me, people that I don't like, how I conduct my business, how I do work, the whole idea of what marriage is, the whole idea of husband and wife, the whole idea of being a child to my parents, being a parent to my children, the whole idea of how to handle my money and do my finances, that everything that's about me, how I'm going to even look to vote in the next election. Everything about me, the place I surrender to, is Christ, not the culture. And I just say to followers of Christ in this room, to followers of Christ, now I'm speaking, where, where have we become perhaps stubborn to Christ and surrendered to the culture in our lives? Where are the dirty feet that we need this wonderful Savior to clean? See, it's about living surrendered to Christ and stubborn to the culture, not stubborn to Christ and surrendered to the culture. See, we're going to struggle with the vile life as long as we're this side of heaven. But if we can live in that surrendered place, we can live there and let that be the, 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 the predominant direction and guide of our lives. And we'll see ourselves more and more coming out of that vileness, if you will, more and more into the value that is life in Christ to every one of us. I invite you to close your eyes, bow your head.
Father, for the next few moments, invite your spirit to speak to us. I pray that you have been. I pray that hearts are listening. Father, I, I, I pray for the washing of feet here today. I pray for the cleansing of souls here today. I pray for a new mindset here today. Pray for those, God, that need to make a decision for you today. That nothing would hold them back from saying, hey, I want your life. I'm going to invite us to enter into an exercise that If you don't want to participate, that's okay. It's not going to be a reflection on your spirituality whatsoever. But when you came in, you received this card. If you don't mind taking this card real quick for me, please. You see one side that has a different demographic information. You don't, you don't have to fill any of that out at this point but, or, or at all. But on the other side of the card, you see two places. You'll see a place that says prayer requests, God stories, if recent answered prayers or other info you'd like to share with us. And in another place, I had the following spiritual experience today. Here, here's what I'm asking us to have a moment of reflection on and response to. You'll just find one of those places to just write down this is, this is what I know the Lord has done in my life. What you're thankful for. Just a quick statement. I'm thankful that He, that he delivered me from drugs. Or I'm thankful that He, that he restored my marriage. Or I'm thankful that, that He's just, just delivered me from depression. What, what is the thing that Christ... You would just say, man, I'm thankful for. Just a simple little thing. Just one of those spots. And then another spot. This, this, is, this is the place where I need my feet washed. I, I, I still struggle with anger. I still... And that... You just take a moment to write one of those two, those two things down. And then as you're led... And we're going we're only, to only do this for about five or six minutes. And again, if you don't do this, it's not a reflection of your spirituality. You don't have to do this. Just as, as an offering as well as a place of surrender. You would bring that card. So you don't have to put your name on it. And you would just lay it somewhere on this stage. You're not presenting it to me. You're not presenting it to this band. You are simply saying, Lord, I acknowledge with thanksgiving what you have done. And I also offer in surrender where I need my feet cleaned. And you're coming and you're putting it here. I just want to take the next few months. I know that may sound unusual and that may seem strange. But I'm going to give a few moments here just to do that. The band's going to sing. You jot a few things down. And then you just come forward as you're led. You put it there. We'll leave that open for four or five minutes. And then we'll close out. Father, in the next few moments, speak to our hearts. May we respond by faith.
They will respond by faith. We are exchanging old for new in this place now. For your praise and glory in Jesus' name. I just want to do one last thing that I'm going to shut up and get out of the way. But guys, media folks, can you, can you put that, that final quote that I was going to quote up on the screen for a moment? This comes out of a book called Story. I think it just captures what we're talking about, old for new. God knows all about our addictions to power and pride and gambling and pornography and cocaine and depression and anger and Cheetos. He knows how quick we're to hold grudges and how slow we are to forgive. He knows about our tendency to worship what we create. He knows how much we like to take what isn't ours, say what isn't true, distort the truth to our advantage. Take credit for what we haven't done. Have our way at any cost. Belittle those who disagree with us. Step on those who get in our way to evade, excuse, attack, justify, rationalize, indulge our fantasies, and look for loopholes. Here is the paradox of the thing we call freedom. The farther we wander from Him, the more enchained we become. But there's one thing stronger than the chains of our souls. The love of a Jewish carpenter. The crack of dawn at Easter was really the sound of chains falling away. Easter has happened here this morning. I'm going to invite you to do something. To stand. Pastor Jeremy, come on up. And for the thing you perhaps wrote and brought up here that you're thankful for, or maybe you didn't write anything and bring it up here, that you're thankful for, okay? If you're comfortable with this, if you're thankful for it, I want you to raise your hands in an offering of thanksgiving for what He has done in your life. Can you do that? An offer of thanksgiving for what He has done. This hand raising is an offer of thanksgiving for what He has done. With grateful hearts. But now also, let's let those hand raise be a surrender of the thing he still needs to do work on. Let it be both thanksgiving and surrender. Surrender and thanksgiving. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's sing Amazing Love one more time as an offering unto him in this place. How can it be? My king would die for me. Amazing love, I know it's true. It's my joy to honor you. And all I do, I honor you. With our hands still lifted, God, we pray right now. We thank you so much for the works that you've done in our lives. We thank you for the marriages that you have restored. We thank you for the addictions you have freed us from. We thank you for the financial blessings you've given to us and we didn't know where it was going to come from. We thank you for the things that sometimes we forget to thank you for. But God, today we acknowledge those things. And we just pause to reflect and thank you for being a gracious and merciful God. And God, we also uplift our hands today to signify that there is freedom that we still need from some things, God. There's some, there's some things our feet still dirty, Father. And God, we need you to do the work. 
We live in a sinful and fallen world. God, we interact in this world every single day. We, we work in this world. We go to school in this world. God, we, we live in this world and we understand that this is our place to live in this day right now, God. But we believe that you have the power to free us from all the bonds of this world. And so, God, all the things that are written on these cards right now, I pray for freedom. Hallelujah. God, I pray for your grace and mercy to extend to these things. God, we, we started by thanking you for, for the power to free us from other things and to give us other things we didn't deserve, God. So right now, we pray that those things extend to the other things that we've written down here, God. Lord, I pray for your work in our lives. I pray for even more marriages to be restored, God. I pray for relationships to be restored between sons and daughters and mothers and fathers and those that have walked away from you, Father. God, I pray for financial blessing for those who are in need of that, Father. And a thousand other things, Father. Whatever it is that we have need of, Lord, I pray right now that you would do the work. God, let us live. In the picture that we saw, God, let us live in, this, in the comfort, the security of the Father's arms. Help us to quit trying to do it on our own and live it on our own and fix it on our own. God, let us rest in you. Hallelujah. And God, we promise to give you all the glory and all the honor for the works that you are doing in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.